Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. The truth um, shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. You know, it's, it's one of those um, sayings that I think many of us know, right? We all know this saying. We've heard it before. But I fear that we don't always know how to use it correctly, how to use it correctly. I have to admit to you, um, I've known this saying for a long time, right? The truth shall set you free. And I have to be honest, I've always thought, or at least I thought, I thought in the past, that what it meant was tell the truth. Have you ever thought that way? Like, like don't lie, right? Because if, if you tell the truth, it'll set you free, right? It'll set you free from the guilt of a lie. It'll set you free from covering up whatever you've done. <laughs> um, but as we'll see this morning, this, this popular saying, this verse, in fact, it actually refers to knowing the Bible. That's what it refers to. To, to, to knowing and obeying the Word of God. That is the truth that sets us free. This isn't about lying. This is about the Word of God. And I can already see on your faces some disagreement forming, okay? Because you're not very good at hiding it. Because what, what are you thinking to yourself? You're thinking, how is adding more rules to my life, right? Adding more commandments to my life, how is that going to make me more free? Right? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't seem right, does it? As kids, when, when mom and dad were around, their rules, their expectations, what do they do? They actually restricted our freedom. Can anyone say amen to that? Like, am, am I the only one? I look really bad right now, right? Can you say amen? Yes, right? My dad is right here. My, right? So, it's only when they stepped out, right? They stepped out for a moment. That's when you were really free, right? To do whatever you pleased, right? Shave, don't shave. You know, you get me, right? You understand. But you see, that, that statement, the truth shall set you free, it actually implies something. What does it imply? It implies that if you don't have the truth, if you don't have the Word of God, you are not what? Free. You're not as free as you may think you are. You know, the last uh, few years, uh, the pandemic has taught us a lot about freedoms, right? Our freedoms as citizens of this of this nation, of, of Canada, right? Why do I say that? Because we weren't always free, were we? Were you? The last few? No. You weren't always free to do whatever you wanted to do. There were restrictions that were in place, right? There were restrictions to your freedoms that we faced in many, many different ways over the past couple of years. And although today you may not feel like you are restricted anymore. A lot of those restrictions have dropped, right? They're no longer in place. So today you may feel that you are free, right? You're free to choose to do whatever you want to do. But my question to you is this, 
are your heart's desires really free? Okay? Two things. Your choices, right? Your choices are free. No debate, right? The choices you make, they are free. But those choices are based on what? The desires of your heart. And my question to you is, are your desires, are you sure that your desires are truly free? If I can ask it a different way, here's what I would ask you. I'd say, are you sure that you are really able to desire what is good? What is good? What is of God? Are you able to desire that? Or as the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, there has been this restriction has been placed on your heart. Look at this. That every intention of the thoughts of your heart are only what? Evil. Continually. Could it really be? Could it be that there is this restriction on your very heart? That because of sin, we've actually lost, all of us have lost the desire for God. Could it be? As Romans chapter 3, verse 11 to 12 tells us, that no one seeks for God. Just let that sink in for a moment, right? The, the apostle is not, he's not quabbling over words, right? He, he, no one seeks for God. Not even one. Just think about that. God, He is the greatest desire in the universe. And somehow, none of us chooses Him. Does that sound like freedom to you? No. No. That's not freedom. And it is into this, what, the, what theologians call total depravity, it is into this slavery to sin, church, family, and friends, that Jesus is going to declare to us this morning what we, what we need most, the truth to set us free, right? The truth to set us free. So this is what we're going to unpack this morning, this freedom that we have, okay, as Christians and those of you who are not, the freedom that is available to you. And so if you haven't already, please turn in your Bible to John chapter 8, John 8, and we're picking things up in verse 31. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the, in the chair in front of you. John 8. Um, and we begin this morning in verse 31. So let's, let's, let's take a look at what uh, John writes. He says, verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, keep that in mind, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay? So I want you to begin this morning, whenever you read a passage, you want to know who's talking to who, right? Before we can apply it to ourselves. So I want you to note who Jesus is addressing his whole, this whole message to. Who is it? It's to believers. Do you see that? What does it say? To the Jews who had believed, who had believed in him. But sadly... As you're going to see in the weeks ahead, by the end of chapter 8, look at the end of chapter 8, the very last verse, spoiler alert, okay, spoiler alert, <laughs> not all of them who claimed to believe Jesus really did, okay? And why do I say that? If you look at the very last verse, what do they do? After Jesus is done speaking, these same so-called believers pick up stones to kill him. 
they pick up stones to kill him. You see, church, believing in Jesus as the Son of God, believing in him as, as Lord, that is how every Christian begins, right? Every one of us, those of you who are true Christians, that is how your walk with Jesus began, through faith. But as time passes, if that seed does not take root, what happens? Many will fall from the faith, will fall away. You're nodding because you've seen it, right? Haven't you? With tears in our eyes, seeing as, as so-called believers abandon the faith they once had. Well, really, believers whose faith was never really there, right? Never really there to begin with. You know, I think this happens for many reasons. I think there's many reasons why so-called believers actually turn out not to be believers. Perhaps it's because they only believed to silence a nagging parent. You know, I've seen that in youth ministry, right? They came kicking and screaming, right, to youth because parents forced them to come. So that's the only reason they believed. Or maybe you believed um, because of your, your spouse, right, or because of the wishes of your in-laws. That, that, that can happen too. Some people only believed until they got good grades, right, on the exam, until they passed it or, or until they, or for success in work, right? I better, I better believe in God, otherwise my work won't be blessed. Others believed only until their health issue was resolved, right? When the health issue came, they were, they were, they were firm, but then they, they left it once they were healed. And still others believe only to get out of hell, right? And you're looking at me quite pious, but I know that is the reason that many people come to Jesus because they think, okay, well, if I believe, I can, I have a get out of hell free card. I can live my life now, right? I, 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 can, I can sin without guilt. Why? Because, because I'm good. I, I believed. I'm okay. Whatever the case may be, Christianity begins only through faith, but true faith Okay, true saving faith will lead you to do something. What does Jesus tell us in verse 31? It'll lead you to do what? To abide in God's Word. To abide in God's Word. That is the mark of true faith. You know what it means to abide? To abide means to continue. Okay, to continue in something, to remain somewhere, to endure in something, to, to persevere in something. And that's what we're saying. That's what a true Christian is. A, a true Christian doesn't merely open their Bible on special occasions, right? A true Christian doesn't oh, dust off their Bible when things get hard. You continue in this. This is your book. This, you are people of the book. That's who you are. And not just to know what it says, but to obey it with love and great care. I want to show you a verse. The same Apostle John, he writes elsewhere in 1 John chapter 2. This is one of my, actually one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. 1 John chapter 2. I want you to see this. He says, whoever says, if you say today, I know God, I know Him, I know Jesus, but you don't keep His commandments, you're lying. That's what he says. You're lying to yourself, you're lying to others. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Here's how you know. 
Okay? How do you know that you're truly a Christian? Here it is. Who, verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to do what? Do what? Walk in the same way in which he walked. This is the mark of a true disciple church. This is it. If you care what God has to say, and if your heart's desire is to please Him, your desire is to glorify Him, you will continue joyfully in this book. That's what you'll do. That is the natural mark of a disciple. You know, sometimes I think we have this notion that um, school is awful, right? Some of you are nodding your heads because you're actually in school right now, right? It's awful, right? School is awful, right? Studying is awful. Writing exams is stressful, right? Spending hours every night doing homework, having projects, having assignments with deadlines and group work, right? You're thinking, you're past that now, right? We've grown past that. That was a season of my life. Now I'm done with it. Why would I ever want to go back to school? It's awful. But church, I don't want you to miss what Christ is saying here. Do you know what he's saying? If you and I are truly to follow him, we must become what? Students. That's what the word disciple means. Do you know that? In verse 31, it's a student. You're a learner. You're a pupil. And you are enrolled in an endless course for which God himself is your teacher. Think about that. God is your teacher. Every day he is uncovering for you the wondrous truths in his word that you would grow closer and closer to him. That is who we are, church, as disciples. You know, some of you will say to me, well, I was never good at school, right? Anyone? I was never good. Don't raise your hands. Right? It's rhetorical. I was never good at school, right? I, I, I never did well. It was hard for me. It took a lot of work. Other people got it. I didn't get it. But I want to tell you something. God has given you, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, do you know that God has given you His Holy Spirit, His own Spirit within you? If you're a true disciple, you have the Spirit of God in you. And what does the Spirit do? Uh, one, uh, sorry, it's uh, 1 John 2, verse 27. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. It even says here that you don't even need people to teach you because you have the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Think about what you have, church. And so my question then to you that has to follow is, where is your Bible? Where is your Bible? Where is your study Bible? How much money we spend on so many things you can invest in a study Bible? Where is it? Do you bring it with you? On Sundays when we're studying the book of John, on Thursdays when we study the book of Acts, on, on, at women's when they're studying the book of Daniel, or in Sunday school when they were studying the book of Genesis. Beloved, how many opportunities and opportunities and more have you been given, have we been given to be disciples, right? If there's one excuse we can never bring before God that day is that we never had opportunities, right? To be students, to be disciples, you know, I have, a, um, I have a shelf in my home, in, 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 a bookshelf, um, where I have all the Bibles I've, I've acquired over the years, okay? Um, there's the NIV. When I was a new Christian, that was the first Bible I had, an NIV Bible. Um, 
There was the NASB. That's the one I bought when it was cool to have an NASB. I bought that. Everyone else had it. I had Anyways, it's there. And there's the ESV I read now. Um, and there's an observation I made that I think many of you can relate with, and I want to share it with you and, and see if you'll agree. You can tell the times in my life when I walked closest with Christ. Do you know how? By how worn out and torn up and wrinkled the pages of my Bible were. You can tell. Is that true for you? You can tell. Just like the, 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 the flip side is true too. You can tell the seasons that I was furthest from God because those Bibles are, are essentially unopened. They're, they're, they're like brand new. You know, Charles Spurgeon has a, he, he has a quote that I think is, is worth remembering. He says, A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Isn't that true? Wow. Can I say it again? A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. This is the true mark of a disciple church. This is it. Not, I'm not talking about believers, right? I'm talking about students of Christ. This is the mark. We are ever abiding in God's Word. And what's the outcome? Okay, so what, what comes of that? If you spend all your time like that, abiding in God's Word, what is the outcome? Verse 32, Jesus tells us, you will know the truth. That's what happens. If you spend that kind of time, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth. Isn't this the great search of every philosopher? Like, just pause for a moment, right? Every civilization in human history, isn't this the search for truth? Right? Every human heart, probably every one of you here today, it may be way back at the back of your mind, but those questions, the answers to those existential questions are there. What is truth? We're all seeking it, right? Where did, I, where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going when we die? Right? Is there a God to whom we have to order and, and live our lives? What is truth? You know, that's the very question that um, Pontius Pilate posed to Jesus. Do you remember that? Just before he washed his hands, you remember this? In John 18, John 18, verse 38, before washing his hands of the crucifixion of Jesus, Pilate asked the question rhetorically. He says, what is truth? You know what that question was in response to? I want to show you this. This is what Jesus had said to him first. Uh, John, uh, John 18, verse 38. After Jesus, oh, it might be verse, sorry. It's uh, verse 37, uh, brother, if you don't mind. Jesus had just told Pilate his own purpose that was to come into the world to bear witness to the truth. That's why Jesus came, to bear witness to the truth, the truth. You know, we live in a society today where absolute truths like this are completely unacceptable. Do you know that? That, that you would be considered intolerant to talk like this, to claim that you had the absolute truth. You know, you know what we're supposed to say? What, what are we supposed to say today? We're supposed to say, this is my truth. Right? Have you heard that? This is my truth. That's your truth. Right? Why do I say that? Because our society today has become such that all truth is considered relative. 
right? That's your belief. Good for you. This is my belief, right? This is my truth. In fact, the only absolute truth to our society, do you know what it is? The only thing they can agree on is that there are no absolute truths. That's, that, that's it. The only absolute truth in our society is that there are no absolute truths, which is a contradiction in and of itself. But anyways, here's the point. Paul says it well. He speaks to our society like this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, he says, this, this is how he describes this, okay? Always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Isn't this what we are as a society? Apart from the Bible, right? Because the Bible is not in our, in, our, in our world's thinking, right? Apart from the Bible, this is who we are. We're always learning, but, we, but we're never able to arrive at the truth. Can I tell you what we've learned as a society? Can I tell you what we've learned? Remember those questions? Where do we come from? Where do we come from? Well, we are highly evolved animals. That's what society will tell you. That's who we are. We're highly evolved animals. And you know what that means? If you're an animal, there's no morality. There's no objective moral values, right? Animals don't have morality. They don't murder, right? They might kill and survive. But you don't call it murder because there's no morality for animals. Well, what's our purpose in life? You have none. You have none. Why? Because everything happened by chance. How did we get here? How did this all start 14 plus billion years ago? By chance, pure chance. That's it. So, so if you want, you can, you can come up with a meaning for your own life, right? You can, you can, if it makes you feel better, but there is no real objective purpose. Well, well where are we going when we die? Nowhere. Nowhere. You, you, you survive until you don't. And then nothing. And then nothing. Beloved, are you really surprised then when so many people in our world drown themselves in substances, sensuality, and social media? Why? To try to escape this reality, what we just talked about. Are you really surprised? Are you really surprised when they do anything they can to distract themselves from the hopeless despair that I just described? Are you? Like, what is even keeping them from ending it all? Do you think about that? What's keeping them? Do you see why the truth is so important? Why the truth matters? It matters to people. It matters that God created you. And He gave you a purpose. You're not here. It's not meaningless. Your purpose is to glorify God. That's why you were made. It matters that all the evil in this world, the death that has come into this world, is because of sin. There's a reason for it. It's not just random. It's, there's a reason for it. And it matters that God has not left us like this, that He loved and He has he's given us hope by sending His Son to die for our sins and then to rise from the dead so that we could have life. That truth matters, church. It matters to people. You know, Jesus didn't come and say that he was a truth. What did he say? He said he is the truth. Right. right. He didn't say, I am a way to God among many others. He said, I am the way and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. That is absolute truth. That's what he's claiming. Uh, the Bible doesn't say I, it is one of many books that you could read, right, to find God. No, no. The Bible is the only word that God has breathed out. That's what the Bible is claiming. That's an absolute truth. And because it is from God and He cannot lie and He cannot err, it is true. That's what we believe. So in a society then, that where every lie, any and every lie is tolerated, can I just appeal to you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, can I appeal to you, stand on the unapologetic, absolute truth of God's Word. Stand on it. You know why? Because Jesus says in verse 32 that this is what sets us free. Okay? This is what sets us free. Now, that word free, it means to be liberated. Okay? Now, please follow along. It means to be delivered. Okay? Or liberated. So now, you remember, these Jews are listening. Right? They've been listening all this time, but now they don't like where Jesus is going. Okay? They, they don't like what he is implying, and I want you to see what they say. Look at verse 33. Let's see what they, how they respond. They speak up and they say, verse 33, they answer Jesus, we are offspring of Abraham. <laughs> okay? Like, like, we have never been enslaved to anyone, and how is it that you say, we're going to become free? We will become free. Now, something you have to understand about the people of Israel is that um, they were very proud of their heritage, okay? And really, can you blame them? Because, I, like, they had a rich heritage. I want to show you this, Romans 9. I want to show you this. This is how the Israelites are described, okay? This, these are the Israelites. To them belong, look at this, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, verse 5, to them belongs the patriarchs. And from their race, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, the Christ. Just imagine, this is their heritage. If this was your heritage, right, how proud you would be. This is who you are. This is your line, your lineage, your ancestry. And so here comes this, this Jesus, and he has the audacity to say to us, that we need to be set free? Like, like, like we need to be liberated and delivered like we're some kind of slaves? Do you even know who we are? We're the people of God, right? Like we're the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, if you're paying attention, this is where things get a little bit awkward. <laughs> Why? Because you've never been enslaved to anyone? Like, hold on, are we just, are we rewriting history right now? Right? Why? Because didn't something happen for 400 years in a place called Egypt? Anyone remember that? Oh, yeah, you guys were, yeah. Oh, you don't remember that? Do you remember the Philistines? Remember them? Oh, you don't, what about Babylon? Assyria? Oh, what about the Greeks? What about the Romans that you're under right now? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, where, what, what are they saying? How can they say they've never been enslaved to anyone? This is just re revisionist history. Well, um, 
I think it is a sincere statement they made, and here's what I think is happening. Not unlike many of us here today, many of you here today, the people of Israel, this crowd, in pride, they really believed that they were free. They truly believed that they were free, right? That I don't need liberating. I don't know what Jesus is talking about. I don't need to be set free. I'm already free. You know why? Because they were free to be whoever they wanted to be. They could say whatever they wanted to say. They could do whatever they want to do. That's what freedom is, isn't it? Right? What, how do we define freedom? Freedom is the ability to choose whatever your heart desires. And for these people, they said, that, that's what we have. We have freedom. Keith is here today. Keith could have worn any shirt he wanted to, right, in his closet. But this morning, his heart desired that shirt. And so you wore it. That's freedom. Shara, all the way in the back. Shara could have sat in any seat in the whole church, but her heart desired to sit beside her husband. And so there you are. That is freedom, right? You see, church, the people believe, just like many of you and me here today, they believed that they were really free. But Jesus knew that the problem was not with their choices, their free choices, but the problem was deeper. Yes, you are free to do whatever you, your heart desires to do. The, the problem is a matter of the heart. The problem is of a heart that cannot desire God. You can't. In and of yourself, you cannot desire God. Why? Why can't you? Here's the answer. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave. You are a slave to sin. You are a slave to sin. This is what Jesus says. This is where we've been coming to, right? From the very beginning I said, the truth shall set you free. And you have to ask the question, free from what? Right? What do we need to be freed from? And here's the answer. Free from your slavery to sin. We are enslaved to sin as humanity. I want, I want, I want you to understand this. Do you know what it means to be enslaved? It literally means you're not free. You may think you're free. You're not if you are enslaved to sin, that means sin is your boss. Just think about that. You all can relate with that, those of you who work. Sin is your boss. So sin is your master. You can't just do whatever you want. You do whatever is sin's will. That's what you do at work too, right? You do your boss's will. This is what it means to be enslaved. Your desires are to do sin's desires. As we read in Genesis 6-5, every intention an inclination of the thoughts of your heart. All of it is to sin. And what Jesus says here is, how do you know you're enslaved to sin? Because you practice it. Right? You heard some beautiful worship this morning. They practice. What does that mean? They play those instruments or they sing those songs again and again and again. Right? That's what it means to practice. So what does it mean to practice sin? It means that your life is characterized by repeated, ongoing sin upon sin upon sin. That's what it means. If you want to look at your own life, take inventory. Is that you? Because that's what it looks like to be enslaved to sin. 
Titus 3, verse 3 puts it this way. This is what it looks like. Foolish, disobedient. Look at this list. Led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, jealousy, hated by others and hating one another. This is what it looks like. The list, goes, the list can go on. Look at Romans 6, 20 to 21. For when you were slaves of sin, here's what it looked like. You were free in regard to righteousness. That means you have no righteousness. For the next verse. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Ashamed. For the end of those things is death. So, so I, I want you to understand. To be enslaved to sin, this is what it looks like. Okay, take the sin. It is a life that is without righteousness. It's a life that is full of shame. And it's a life that ends in death. And let me ask you something, church. Does that sound like freedom to you? Does that really sound like freedom? Because that's the freedom that these people thought they had. And maybe you do too. But Jesus knew that their hearts were far from free. They were far from free. They were enslaved in this darkness. You know, Jesus was standing right before them. This is the Son of God, right? They were so much in darkness that they couldn't even recognize the light that stood before them. Think about that. He was standing before, steps before them, and they couldn't recognize Him as who He was. Do you see, church, why the truth is so precious? Why the truth is, it matters. The truth is what sets people free from this slavery to sin. The truth, this, this is the very truth that will determine where everyone you know is going to spend all of eternity. This is the truth that's going to determine that. It's not some other magic thing out there. It's this. This is what will do, how they respond to this book is going to determine where they end up. And here's what Jesus says in verse 35 to illustrate that point. Here, here, look, look at verse 35. He continues to talk about the slave, but now he paints a picture. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains. Okay? The son remains. Now, what is he talking about? This is very important, okay? Okay. Um, you remember in verse 33, what did the people say? They said, we are the offspring of Abraham, right? Abraham. And so in his response, Jesus is actually alluding to the story of Abraham. I don't know if you, you've, you've caught it yet. The story of Abraham and his offspring. Do you know what happened? What happened to Abraham? Abraham's wife, Sarah, way back in Genesis, okay? His wife, Sarah, was unable to bear him a child. Do you remember this? She was infertile, right? She couldn't conceive. And so what did he do? He ended up going and bearing a child with her servant, right? Her slave, Hagar. Do you remember this? Hagar. And Hagar bore him a son. What was his name? Ishmael. Ishmael, yeah. His firstborn son was Ishmael. Well, in due time, what happens? Sarah does bear a child. And what's his name? Isaac, yeah, Isaac. And Abraham has a son with Sarah, Isaac, and, she, and he has a son with, with Hagar, Ishmael. And for a time, these two uh, half-brothers actually grew up in the same home, didn't they? Right? They grew up together. 
But by Genesis chapter 21, the slave could not remain in the house any longer. Couldn't remain. Why? Because Hagar and Ishmael didn't have the rights, privileges, or the inheritance of Isaac. They didn't have it. And so what happened? They were released. Right? They were released from the home of Abraham. So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying that if you are a slave to sin, and if you are an adopted child of God, okay, forgiven by His grace, redeemed, if, if you are one of those two groups, you may remain in the same house, even in this church right now. In this group, there are only two, 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 two parties. There are those who are enslaved to sin and those who are children, right, by adoption. And there's a time when we will be together, like now. Right now we are. But there will come a day when the slave and the son will be separated, right? There will come a day when the slave and son will be separated. One of them will remain with God forever, right? Remain with God forever, with all the rights of sonship, right? Adopted into God's family, while the other cannot remain, right? The other cannot remain. And so as we draw this message to a close, just before we come to the final verse, I want to I address those of you who, who, as you hear me speak this morning, you realize, yeah, I am in that group. I'm in that slaved group, enslaved group. I am a pra- If you look at my life, I am a practicer of sin. In fact, I'm really good at it, right? Because of how much I practice, I'm really good at sin. I'm enslaved. My heart is enslaved. If you took inventory of my life, this is what you would find. My heart is enslaved. I'm not redeemed by His grace. If that's you, I want to encourage you with the last verse. The last verse we're looking at today, verse 36. This is what Jesus can do. And this is what He alone can do. He alone can do. Look at this. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's what Christ is able to do. He is able, and He alone is able, to set you free. What do I mean by free? It means you will be free from the bondage of sin and the law. Think about that. You will be free from sin's penalty. The moment you repent and believe, you will be free from the penalty of sin. And you will be free more and more as you grow in God's Word. As the Word of God sanctifies you, you will become even more free from sin's power on this earth. Until one day, you will be fully freed from the presence of sin altogether as a child in God's house. That is what Jesus is able to do. Isn't that precious, church? For those of you who are believers, isn't that amazing? That's what God has done for you, to experience that freedom. And I want to address one more group as we close. There are those of you who believe, okay? Many of you here today, you do believe, right? You believe in Jesus. You've confessed Him as Lord. You believe. But I want to, I want to, I want to remind you how sad it is that the same people who believe in verse 31, right, by verse 59, are the very ones who picked up stones 
to kill him. Right? The same people who believed at one time, then we find out, no, they never really believed. Here's the point. Um, Can I encourage you? Abide in God's Word. That's the difference. Right? Between those who just believe, namesake believers. So many namesake believers out there, right? Look at their Facebook status. It says Christian. You read the Facebook page, you're like, that's not a Christian. Right? Right? You're laughing. It's true. It's true. Abide in God's Word. Because this is how you will be a true disciple. Know it. Obey it. This is where you will become. Let your Bible be one that is falling apart. Let it be a Bible that is falling apart. Because that's the mark of a true disciple. For it is the truth that sets us free from the sin that enslaves. Won't you be free? Church, why don't you uh, stand for a moment. And I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to partake in the communion. Um, But let us pray. Won't you be free this day? Free indeed. Oh Lord, I thank you so much for this conversation that we were able to listen in on between Christ and these, these, the, the Jews who had believed. Oh Father, there's so much we can take away, but ultimately, Lord, we want to remember what you have declared, that the truth is what sets us free. The truth, the unapologetic, absolute truth found in your word. That is what sets us free. And so, Father, forgive us, those of us who who we, we call ourselves believers, and yet we are far from being disciples of you. We are far from being students of your word as you have commanded us to do. So help us, O God. You've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us all things. Help us to take steps, Father, all the opportunities afforded to us. Let us not waste this life but spend time abiding in your word that we might be free, that we might experience freedom as you meant for us to experience. And Lord, for those who are still enslaved to sin, I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you could have written these these people off, these people who in arrogance would, would even contest and lie about their history, about their own slavery. Lord, you didn't write them off. You didn't dismiss them. You got right to the matter of the heart. And you said exactly what we needed to hear, that yes, those who practice sin are enslaved. Wake up. Help us to wake up, O God. Help us not to serve that master anymore because all it brings is, is unrighteousness, shame, and death. Help us to experience freedom and life promised to us in your word and by the work of your Son, Jesus. In your name we pray.